0: Greetings and shalom. Thanks for joining us today for Christ in Prophecy. For the past four weeks we've been taking a deep dive into the book mm. of Daniel, arguably one of the most extended prophecies that previews God's timeline for the end times. We began with a conversation with Todd Hampson. His wonderful non guide to the book of Daniel offers a witty and engaging way to mm. peel back the mystery of Daniel's sweeping prophecies. We strongly endorse his book and encourage you to get a copy. Following the outline Todd created in his book, we
1: then reviewed the historical portions of Daniel, literally his story. Daniel and other young Jews were brought to Babylon to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's court. In spite of the threats and persecution, Daniel, along with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, persevered and thrived in the pagan empire. They endured a fiery furnace and lion's den as they bore consistent testimony to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In our third episode, we offered an overview of Daniel's prophecies that have already been fulfilled. The succession of empires represented by Nebuchadnezzar's mighty statue and Daniel 4's beasts, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome have already risen and fallen once again. The incredible series of prophecies, focusing particularly on Alexander the Great, came to pass so accurately that scoffers have tried to discredit Daniel as a book of prophecy, asserting that it was written after the fact. But has been proven authentic again and again.
2: You know, last week we turned our attention to the prophecies in Daniel's that still await fulfillment. Some of them are com- combined with already fulfilled prophecies. For instance, although the four empires Nathan just mentioned have already come and gone, both Nebuchadnezzar's statue and Daniel's beast also foretold a final world empire that will arise when the 10 kings emerge from the territory of the Roman Empire. And we recognize that the final week Daniel said would come after the Messiah is cut off still lies in the future along with the emergence of the Prince who is to come, an obvious reference to the Antichrist. But given Daniel's track record for accuracy and reliability, we can absolutely trust that these prophecies will also come to pass.
0: Well said, Dave. Before we move on from Daniel, it is appropriate to spend one more week applying life lessons from this great prophet. The parallels between his experience and our own era are multiplying year by year. And there is much to learn from this mighty man of God. So let's jump into some applications from Daniel's life. And let's begin by analyzing Daniel himself. What kind of a character was he? Well, he was a man of honor. Mm. He stood by his
1: convictions. When the culture said, you must conform to our worldly ways, he said, I'm going to test it. And God always honored the fact that he stood up for his faith.
2: Mm, sure he did. You know, I, I look at when people, everybody has a reputation. And, and it depends what kind of people you're around and what your reputation is. But one thing I really appreciate about Daniel is when they try to find something wrong with him, they found one thing his love for God. Mm. And if people can look at
1: me and say they don't like me because of one thing, it would be that one thing, my love for God. And it's interesting how the Bible points it, in. Jesus Himself I mean, Daniel was a real person. Jesus mentioned him. And the Bible mentions that Daniel's character was pretty much without any inherent flaws, inherent sins. He wasn't stricken like David was with lust or Elijah with doubt. He seemed, at least from what he recorded, a consistent believer, a a model to look
0: up to. He surely was. And you know, there's a point we're going to make even now, as we talk about Daniel, as we've reviewed all his prophecies, there's only so much time in any episode. So, if you want to learn more about Daniel, more about the prophecies, I'd Encourage you to go to our website, where we have posted a wealth of material. And Nathan, what are some of the things that are there for our viewers who want to dive even deeper than we have during these weeks? Well,
1: if you go to our website at ChristInProphecy.org, or go to our YouTube channel, which mm-hmm. is Christ in Prophecy, you can watch the video. And underneath it, we'll have links to deep dives with Dave Bowen, as Dave gives you more insight through his deep dive series. We have a prophetic perspective series. We have an entire lamplighter dedicated. Uh, Vic Batiste and I have an entire blog series and podcast series that we did. So. If if you want to go really into Daniel, our website's got a plethora of information to help you.
0: Amen. It surely does. Amen. Well, we've talked about Daniel being a character worthy of being an exemplar, a role model for us. I would also submit that he lived in a pagan land where he and other faithful Jews were clearly in the minority. As a matter of fact, sometimes uh, those who resented them actually tried to conspire against them because of their jealousy and and create uh, accusations that were were false. But there's an application, I'll call it application number one for today's conversation and that is in spite of serving in a pagan land and serving Mm -hmm. pagan kings involuntarily, I mean he was essentially enslaved, Daniel's service was still faithful and true. And we obviously live in a, a pagan age and an ungodly land, but our service, even to a boss or to a supervisor that may not agree with our faith, still needs to be faithful and true. There
2: was multiple pagan leaders too. So it was Babylon. It was Persia. So Daniel that, that showed his character. And the one thing I really appreciate about Daniel is he's a real person. Because you look at characters in the Bible sometimes you say, well I could never be like that. What was the key to Daniel? He read God's Word, he studied it, and he believed it. Mm-hmm. We all can have that kind of faith. We all can read God's Word, study it, and then put it to
1: practicality. And I think his example points us to Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward for your inheritance." That's exactly what Daniel did. Mm-hmm. He did everything for the Lord. Even if he had to serve pagan kings, he was put in charge of sorcerers and wizards of all things. And yet he stayed faithful to God. He prayed three times a day. And the Lord blessed him by promoting him, by keeping him alive, and by teaching generations after him to the point where the Magi 500 years later showed up, uh, they Mm. understood because Daniel taught. What a legacy. What a
0: legacy. That's a great point, uh, Nathan, that we need to serve as unto the Lord regardless of where we are. I also think of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, where Paul says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Too often we buy into the lie that, well, I'll just be godly in my church role or when I'm doing faithful things, but the rest of my life I don't have to really think." about it. No, we exude Christ in all we do and Mm -hmm. so whether we're eating, drinking, working, sleeping, everything Mm -hmm. should be informed by our faith in Christ and He should resonate and, and really reflect in us.
2: Done for his glory. Always. All to the glory of God. Always. Amen.
1: So. Well, the second application I would say is that Daniel believed God's promises. Ah. He didn't, was always happy with God's promises. Mm-hmm. I think in the series, Dave, you brought up a great point: is that Daniel was expecting the kingdom to come yeah. at 70 years. He'd read the Jewish people come back. And Gabriel's like, well, It's going to be well, longer. <laughs> yeah, you got 490 yeah. years, and he didn't even tell yeah. them about the, the church, church age. age. You know, and like you said, Daniel would spend three weeks depressed yeah, over morning. that yeah. that you know we're depressed cuz we want the rapture to come and it's been 2000 years it's like lord why <clears throat> daniel showed that even though you know god's timing is not our own we have to be patient and we have to trust in god's promises he will make them come about but we just have to be faithful and wait. Mm. So
2: how do, you, how do you apply that? I, I know myself what i got to do, I have those pity parties. I yeah. get to the point where I say, God, just call it game over. Just come <laughs> back now. Yeah. And every time yeah. I have that pity party, yeah. I go in my corner and I do what Daniel does. I try to pray. And, and God gives me this picture of the multitude of people who have not come to Christ yet. Oh, boy. Yes. And when I see that multitude, I go, okay, we <laughs> have to get back and be faithful and do what God's called. So that's to
1: something that you say all the time, Tim, is that if the Lord came back before you were born, there would be no you or yeah. you wouldn't be
0: saved. Yeah. If the Lord came back according mm. to my timing He would have come back 20 years ago because I was ready for Him then and then some of you or, or mm. some of even our staff and, and our friends and loved ones would have been left behind. Yes. I'm thankful that the Lord doesn't come back according to Tim Moore's timing but according to His timing and I've come to realize that that is right and good and not only do I accept it, I'm thankful for it. You know I think you made a good point. What do we do even if sometimes we feel like we want to have a pity party yeah. because the Lord is tearing and, and beyond our own expectations. Last week we talked about the apostles themselves, right as Jesus was about to ascend, expected, well, is it now that the right. kingdom's coming? No, it's not now. You guys got work to do. Get busy. And so that's exactly what he would say to us. And in our culture, back to application one, we live in an increasingly pagan culture. I call it a cut flower Christianity culture because we're still seeing some of the beauty that was. But the roots of our our Christian foundations have been cut off and eventually the flower of our society is going to wilt and fade. Already Christians are labeled as troublers, to use a phrase King Ahab used to describe uh, Elijah. And so we are impediments to modern progress. You know what, folks, we should be applying ourselves Mm -hmm. and as the Lord tarries, We trust him, we believe him, and so we need to be about the work he's given us to share the gospel and to be intentional about living for Christ day by day. Absolutely. All
1: right. I I think the third application that I get is Daniel studied God's word. He went to the prophets. He went, read Mm -hmm. Jeremiah. He read Ezekiel. He studied the law. He became an expert at the law. And he had the, the ears of kings and governors and satraps later in the Medo Persian Empire. And so the God of heaven, even though these Jewish people were in exile, got to hear the word of God. And I think he adopted something that would come much later this promise in Revelation 1 3 blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near." They read, they hear, and they keep. And those are the three things Daniel did, and those are the
0: three things we can do. That's a great point. And Dave, I'm going to give this to you because you've made a major teaching from Daniel chapter 9, but David or Daniel was led to utter a prayer of repentance on behalf of yes. his people because yes. chapter 9 verse 2 tells us he had studied the word of Jeremiah. Yes. He studied yes. Bible prophecy and then it informed the way that he interacted with God on behalf of his people.
2: Yeah, he knew Isaiah, he knew Hosea, he knew the, the, the Scriptures, he knew Cyrus would be the one to send him back, he knew the 70 years would be back, but there's a danger here because as uh, chapter 9, as he's praying, the angel Gabriel came to him. And as the angel Gable came to him he was in the middle of prayer. I mean he's worshipping God He's in the middle of prayer. And he says stop because he says you're going to miss the point here. And I think the lesson is, the application is, we want to put human reasoning into our study sometimes. Mm-hmm. We're going to study this, and we're going to say this, and we're not going to quite understand it, but we're going to think we understand it and say, well I think the Bible means here. And we get off into human reasoning. Mm. And that becomes something that can be a very, da- very dangerous. Scripture interprets Scripture. And we need to stay true to God's Word.
0: Alright, there's another thing I want to dig into on this application, uh, Nathan. We know that Daniel didn't just write in Hebrew. He mm-hmm. wrote in another language which would suggest that his his prophecies were not just for his people. Let me just right. gather my throng around me and we'll just talk amongst ourselves. What other language did he write in and what does that tell us about the the intent for God to share this prophecy and this prophetic word even to the pagan peoples Daniel was living among?
1: Well, sure, he shifted from Hebrew to Aramaic mm-hmm. starting in chapter 2. Right. And the reason was is because the the pagan world didn't speak Hebrew, only the Jewish people. So, we knew then that the audience for Daniel shifted to those people. Plus, going forward over the hundreds of years as he becomes head over the Magi, uh, they would learn from Aramaic as well. And they would be able to interpret that based on that. So, he realized that you have to connect people where they're at. My old missions classes used to teach, you know, you got to be where the people are. And if you're speaking German and you're in an audience in Spain, they're not understanding you. You have to speak the language and at the level that people are at. And that's what Daniel did. And the Lord using visions and dreams connected divine thoughts, divine ideas to human understanding. And so when we teach the Bible and we share it with others, whether in a Sunday school or whatever, that's what we need to do. We need not talk over their heads or no. talk in a different language. We connect to people where they're at. So, as part of the application of studying it's also sharing and teaching and that's what you've got to be where your audience is. You right. surely do. And right. that's
0: why sometimes people ask, what translation of the Bible do you use? We have always primarily used the New American Standard Bible because we find that it is a literal interpretation that is easy to understand. I love the beauty of the King James, but some of the phraseology in the King James you have to actually interpret for modern era or modern ears. I could give you examples. We have moved on primarily to the Legacy Study Bible. Because it has a, uh, a hearkening back to the original names of God in Hebrew, but always we encourage you to find a, a Bible translation that is literal and that is understandable and read it yeah. and the Lord will bless you. And so that's the application for your day and age and your life. All right, what about number four? Dave, anything that you would see as a, a fourth application for us?
2: Well, I, again, I think with prayer, I think I, Daniel was interesting because he talked in third person up to chapter 7. And then in chapter 7 when the prophecies begin he speaks in first person. He personalizes it. Do we understand the promises that God has in His Word are for us personally? Mm. I mean, it, it, when God speaks He speaks to us as individuals as well. There's a corporate speaking here, but Daniel switching from third person to first person to me was huge because now I can I, I can identify with this and and incorporate in my own personal life.
1: And I think that ties to the last application about studying yes. and teaching. Yes. Uh I would say for the fourth application, it's Daniel's prayer life. Because here, Daniel is around pagans. And you know, we feel uncomfortable when we have to pray in public. I even feel uncomfortable sometimes praying at dinner around my family. You know, it just, to me, prayer is between the Lord and me. But Daniel made sure that even when there was an edict that said you can't worship any other God but, but uh, the king for this month, he still three times a day went up to his balcony mm-hmm. and prayed. And when he prayed, did he pray, oh, Lord, bless me, give me money and health and no. welfare? No, he said, Lord, you know, even though Daniel's a righteous man, Lord, I am a sinner. My people are sinners.
0: Uh, forgive us, please. That was the point Jesus made when witnessing two right. different characters praying at the temple. And he said, This man who came and said, I'm a sinner, his prayer was heard more readily than the righteous Pharisee. And so that's a great point you make, even from Daniel's life.
2: And again, through Isaiah, he knew that repentance was key to the kingdom coming. The kingdom will not come until the people are repenting. So he, through his study in scripture he incorporated that into his prayer and that became part of his prayer.
1: And that's what Jesus said, His, the return of the Messiah won't happen yeah. until the Jewish people repent right. and they look up and say, Baruch, Habab, Shem Adonai. Right. Blessed is he who comes in the name, in the name of, of the, the Lord. Lord. And that is the trigger that makes Jesus come at the second coming. And so I think we need to, I, I used to teach the kids, you know, uh, how to pray, you know, praise, repent, ask, and yield. Pray, is that we forget sometimes, I know I I work on it, is the repentance part. We kind of right. skip over that in our right. prayers and we spend more of the ask part. And I think it's important for intercessory prayer as well. Yeah.
2: Because yeah. that's what Daniel was doing. He was praying for his country. He was praying. He was repenting not only for himself, but for his nation okay. and people. people.
0: So, I want to follow up on that. How do we do that? Because there's so many people who will turn at least every year mm-hmm. at National Day of Prayer to Second Chronicles uh, 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, themselves and pray them. and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. THIS IS A a PROMISE GIVEN TO ISRAEL, Israel. BUT THE PRINCIPLE APPLIES TO US. AND YET DO WE, DO YOU SEE MANY CHRISTIANS TAKING PERSONAL RESPONSIBILITY FOR THE CORPORATE SINS OF OUR NATION? AND IS THAT SOMETHING WE SHOULD FOLLOW AFTER DANIEL'S MODEL? I'M A PASTOR.
2: CAN I SAY THE CHURCH IS AT FAULT OF SOME OF THIS? BECAUSE WE DON'T PREACH SIN. We we yep. want people to come to church. We wrong want them to yes. Yeah, we use you know, yeah. You made an error or you have wrong judgment. <clears throat> if I make a mistake, I don't need to repent. I just need to fix the mistake. So I think the church needs to also say we need to understand what sin is and call sin out mm. because when we have sin, then we have something to repent of, and when we repent, then we understand what the word of God is. And can you, know you so?
1: imagine? I, I love that, that whether you believe and follow Jonathan Kahn or not, he does something right. Is that every uh, time there's an election. He has a time of repentance, a national time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Franklin Graham, same thing. Yeah. National time of repentance. To to call people. That's what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for our nation and all the nations of the world to repent and turn him they're pagans, they won't. But, you know, the Lord still wants His people to do it. And so it's our job as followers of Him, not just to read and pray and all, but to supplicate ourselves, if I can use a big theological term, Mm -hmm. to say, Lord, You are God, You are King, please forgive us. And hope that the Lord's blessing on His people spreads out to
0: the country. The greatest revival that ever occurred in history Mm -hmm. was at Nineveh, when from the Mm -hmm. king to Mm -hmm. the lowliest Mm -hmm. persons, and even the, the animals in the fields, they covered in sackcloth mm-hmm. and ashes to demonstrate their, their humility before the Lord God. I think we could take a lesson from Daniel, this great and revered man who has no character flaws, mm-hmm. we discussed earlier, and yet he, he humbled himself before God and took personal responsibility. I think he's a great example. And I also find it telling that it was right after that moment of personal confession and repentance, yeah. then is when Gabriel visited. Yes. I think sometimes if we were truly to humble ourselves before God and have that kind of penitent heart, yeah, my sins have been forgiven, but but I don't gloat in that fact. I rejoice in, in Christ and the forgiveness that is mine. But having a, a penitent attitude and a humble heart coming before the Lord, I think then revelation is given and granted to us. That
2: humble heart is very important. Again, I as a pastor, I get to ask the question, if you died today, would you go to heaven? You know, they don't get offended because I know who I am. And yeah, I hope so. And, and so I follow up with, well, why is that? Well, I'm a good person. And I usually say, well, good people don't go to heaven. Perfect people do. So are you perfect? Well, then people say, well, I know I'm not perfect. See, I, I, to me, this becomes part of being righteous. When God calls someone righteous, as he does Daniel, how do I become righteous? What is being Righteous. Well, it's trusting God, knowing who we are, humbling ourselves, bowing before Him, saying, I am not perfect. I can only have eternal life because of who Christ is. Well, that's, that's being called in Christ because He is perfect. Yes, We're yes. not perfect. So it's not good people. It's about being
0: That's being a righteous. gospel application right yeah. there. And yeah. I'm
1: still trying to get the picture out of my mind of a bunch of sheep dressed in sackcloth with ashes <laughs> all over. That must have been quite a sight at that it time. It must period. have been quite a sight. But I think it just <laughs>
0: demonstrates the, the convincing of the king and everyone else that we need to make a drastic sign of of our humility before the Lord and, and you use humility
1: and you use humbleness and I think those are good to fit into application number five okay. is that the fact that we can study Bible prophecy we could have the Holy Spirit we could have great teachers and great commentaries but there is going to be parts of prophecy we won't understand until the events fulfilled I like to think mm-hmm. of prophecy as a picture if my mo- my wife loves those you know puzzles pieces she puts I don't know how she does it, but you, know, you got a 100-piece puzzle, but we've only got 75 of the pieces put together right now. We can kind of see a picture, but we don't have the big picture. So we have to be humble enough to realize we don't have all the answers when it comes to prophecy, not until these prophecies are fulfilled. Excellent right. point. Right. Excellent point. And
2: it's, 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 it's usually a jigsaw puzzle. I Jigsaw. Okay. I think our world... Um, when you have a worldview, understanding this about prophecy and what it is, because prophecy can be overwhelming. It can really be overwhelming trying to understand it. And what's a worldview? Do you really understand who God is and following Him? And I think we get a little bit of this, and a little bit of this, a little bit of this. And I say, we don't have a worldview, we have a mutt. And it's like taking a jigsaw puzzle, but if you take pieces from two or three puzzles, you, they don't connect. And unless we dive into Scripture, understand Scripture, understand prophecy and the promises and and everything that we have to to gain from that and and humble ourselves to yield to Him, we don't get that jigsaw puzzle. We don't get the complete picture that we need to have. And some of it we're not going to understand.
0: We're not going to understand until it is hindsight for us because some things we're still gazing Forward through a glass dimly, just like Daniel was. Yes. And so we recognize that we can't know it all. I, I'd yeah. love to know it all. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I studied. You did. No, <laughs> I, I clearly don't. My wife can tell you. But everything we do know about prophecy apply, er, er, heeds to this truism. And that's from Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. prophecy. Everything that is prophetic in the Word of God points us to Christ. And so as long as we are focusing on Him, Mm -hmm. then we will gain a blessing. Mm -hmm. And of course believing the Word of God is how we heed Mm -hmm. uh, even words of prophecy. But here's a distinction between us at Lamb & Lion Ministries and too often other prophetic teachers. Some will claim to know it all. You just heard Nathan say, we don't. And we don't even aspire that we can know it all. God knows it all. He has given revelation. We seek to have understanding. Those things that are clear, we're going to share with you. Interpretations, we think, are pretty obvious, we're going to share with you. But with a degree of humility, because only God is God. And the mysteries He's revealed are for us and our children forever, as Deuteronomy 29, 29 says. But there are aspects that only God can know, and we don't have the mind of God. Uh, my head would explode if He tried to <laughs> give me all of His knowledge, Nathan. <laughs> and
1: that's why Daniel went through the same thing. The angel gave him all these prophecies, and he's like, what? And <clears throat> he, the angel says, well, nope. He says this, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 13, But you. Go your way. In other words, keep living right. till the end. In other words, you're going to die. Right. For you shall rest, and you will arise and be resurrected to your inheritance at the end of days. In other words, you don't have to know it all. You don't have to know how everything's going to play out. Live by faith. That's why I love Habakkuk 2:4. The just shall live by faith. That is the answer that we get from God throughout Jonah, uh, Job, Habakkuk. They all ask the same questions, and every time God says, "Go your way. Right. Live your life." Right. Trust me.
0: And what does it mean to go your way? It means to do what I've told you to do. Exactly. Share the gospel. Live a, a, a life that is salt and light to the world around you. Go your way, living godly lives, and it'll all work out. Right. And it's
2: exciting because as you get into prophecy, like Zechariah, the prophets, you know, they, they weren't aware of what's happening, but we live in a day where we can look back and see things, and it makes more sense. So we have more responsibility, I think, because we can have that insight. But it's exciting to say, okay, what the prophets were told about, look at our day. Yes, Yes,
0: we have hindsight, and we can also see, as we said earlier, the convergence. Just look around, for heaven's sakes. Yes, As Dave Reagan likes to say, a buddy of his said, I wished I'd live in Bible times, and his response was, you do, you Mm. do. We live in Bible times in that all these various signs that were foretold are coming to pass. I love one other exemplar. And it's, it's so important that we grasp this. Abraham was given promises, prophetic promises, if you will, because they were future to, to happen and come to pass, but they didn't come to pass in the life of Abraham. And yet that did not dull his, his trust in God, his faith in God. We were a little
1: with Hagar. but uh, He was not perfect,
0: <laughs> yeah. but his faith was, was resolute. And so even though he didn't see in his lifetime a multitude of descendants. Mm-hmm. Even though he did not possess in his lifetime the land of Canaan, he wandered as a, a sojourner living in tents, he still trusted God. And we may or may not see mm. all the things come to pass. I hope we do. I think we will. But if, if we don't, if the Lord calls me home today or tomorrow, I still will be faithful and trust him that his promises are yes and amen.
2: And Abraham means father of many. Mm. Could you imagine introducing yourself? What's your name? <laughs>
1: Abraham. How many kids do you have? Oh, well, there he is right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My yeah. wife's 90 and she hasn't got any-
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> folks, we pray that we have encouraged you to trust in the Lord's promises throughout this series. Uh, obviously, the applications we've touched on today are first of all, that Daniel served a pagan king involuntarily, but he did so faithfully and true. Mm. And we too live in a pagan, ungodly land, but wherever we serve, we serve as unto the Lord. Application 2, Daniel believed God and his promises even though they did not always impact his life personally or be fulfilled during his lifetime. Application 3, Daniel studied God's word and believed it and this led him to order his life around God's promises and really live as a beacon of that truth even to the pagan people that he was among. Number 4, Daniel Applied a first-person understanding of how the prophecies impacted his life. And because he realized that God's timing of deliverance from exile was approaching, he began to personally pray for the repentance of his people. And in doing so with fasting sackcloth and ashes. And number five, uh, there were limits to Daniel's understanding of God's prophetic word. As gifted as he was, and he was not put off by the things he did not understand, he trusted God that God would bring it all to fulfillment. And so do we. So, as we wind down this series of episodes on the book of Daniel, there is so much more we could say. But we hope that we have whet your appetite to jump into God's word and study it for yourself. And as we've mentioned throughout this series, Todd Hampson's book, The
1: Nonprofit's Guide to the Book of Daniel, would be a great resource for your study. Todd has a unique ability to communicate complex ideas, and his illustrations and graphics make the book fun to read. We'll be glad to send you a copy. Just call the number on the screen or visit our online store, and for only $20, and that includes shipping and handling, we'll send you Todd's fantastic book. This has
2: been such an exciting and encouraging series. I'm glad I could have participated in at least part of it, so thank you for that. And Tim, where do we go next?
0: Well, there is never a lack of material for us to dive into from God's prophetic word, but in the weeks to come... We're going back to the future once again, meaning that we are going to unpack the book of Revelation.
2: Oh, we could spend weeks in the book of Revelation, that's one of my favorite books. I mean, it ties together all kinds of of prophecies.
1: I agree with Dave. Uh, So what do you say, Tim, should we spend about a year studying the book of Revelation?
0: (laughs) Well, not quite. You are both right that we could linger for many, many weeks in Revelation. Let's just say that we will proceed apace, meaning that we will not rush. But we will again hope to whet appetites and point people to our soon returning king as we explore His revelation of the things which must soon take place. For now, we hope that our review of Daniel has been a blessing to you and we hope that it has reaffirmed or kindled your anticipation of God's fulfillment of all His prophetic word. As we seek understanding, I find encouragement in God's revelation of things to come to a pagan king. Nebuchadnezzar was given a vision in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. You know, we are lowly men, but God has given to us his wonderful prophetic word, mm-hmm. and he has promised that soon his son will come to reign over the earth from Mount Zion. With anticipation for that glorious day, all of us here at Lamb and Lion Ministries cry out, Maranatha! Maranatha! Godspeed.